Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is February the 16th, 2024. It's been 3,672 days since Russia's legal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 357 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened on Thursday and Friday morning. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. A link is in the podcast description. There are significant map updates today. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine Morning Reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, open-source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian male bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. In our assessment, Ukrainian forces executed a retreat from the southern part of Avdiivka, and started a retrograde operation in the western part of the settlement. 2. We maintain that the acute shortage of ammunition is directly impacting the battlefield and contributing to recent Russian advances. And we further assess that Ukraine's allies are powerless to change the situation in the short term. 3. The United States has ended financial and military aid to Ukraine, unless there is an unforeseen event that changes congressional leadership before the 2024 elections. This is the last day for this entry. 4. The early and likely temporary arrival of Bezdorizhia is slowing the operational tempo due to poor tractability. 5. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdivka salient, regardless of the cost. 6. Russian forces continue their offensive to capture Chasivyar west of Bakhmut. 7. Combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue for the foreseeable future. 8. We maintain that while the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the condition is more serious than what the International Atomic Energy Agency is reporting. We begin in Kharkiv Oblast, in the Kupiansk Area of Operation, or AO. Russian sources reported continued fighting northwest of Sinkivka, with no change in the situation. Russian forces attempted to advance in the direction of Ivanivka, suffered losses and retreated. The Russian Aerospace Forces, or VKS, continued to bomb random settlements in northeastern Kharkiv Oblast. In Chorne, an UMPK glide bomb struck a car, killing a married couple in their 50s, and their 17-year-old daughter. Two more people were wounded, with one in hospital. The village had a pre-war population of 455, is not on a rail line or main road, and is 58 kilometers from Kupiansk. In the Kremenayo of Luhansk Oblast, Russian forces attempted to advance on Terny, and mutual fighting was reported east of Yampolivka. 
Russia lost nine armored vehicles during its assault on Yampolivka, including 1490M main battle tanks. To the southeast, the Russian Ministry of Defense, or Armored, maintained tradition and reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive near Dubrova. In the Lysychanskyo, Russian mercenary mill blogger Wogonzo reported that Russian troops attacked Bilohorivka, but failed to advance. Next, let's talk about the Donbass, starting in northeastern Donetsk Oblast. In the Solidario, the general staff of the forces of Ukraine, that's GSAFU, reported that Russian troops tried to advance on Vesela, but were repulsed. In the Bakhmutio, significant fighting continued in the area of Bogdanivka, northwest of Bakhmut and near Ivanivske to the southwest. In the Klishivka AO, fighting continued northwest, north and east of Klishivka and east of Andreevka. In the Turetsk New York AO, Armand reported that fighting continued in the area of Shumy on the edge of Horlivka. In southwestern Donetsk Oblast, Ukrainian forces have started to withdraw from long-held defensive positions in the Avdiivka AO. The VKS bombed Avdiivka throughout the day, hitting a storage tank that was burning out of control sending thick black smoke to the northwest. Russian forces raised the Soviet battle flag at the intersection of the T-542 highway and the Industrialny Prospect. This is the same location where President Volodymyr Zelensky took a selfie on December 29. Russian forces continued to push west toward Lastochkene and started to flank the Avdivka coke plant. The commander of the operational strategic group Tavria, Brigadier General Oleksandr Tarnavsky, reported that Ukrainian forces were withdrawing while reinforcements were arriving to hold new defensive lines. Quote, new positions have been prepared, and formidable fortifications continue to be prepared, taking into account all possible scenarios. Commanders on the ground know their task to stabilize the situation in this direction. We value every piece of Ukrainian land, but the highest value and priority for us is the preservation of the life of a Ukrainian soldier. Unquote. The spokesman for the 3rd Separate Assault Brigade, Oleksandr Borodin, reported it was the hardest fighting the unit has experienced and that the situation was hell, with Ukrainian forces outnumbered and pounded by airstrikes. Quote, the ratio of defenders and invaders here is 1 to 7, and Avdiivka suffers the most due to guided bombs. Fabs were also in Bakhmut, but not in the same number as here. And this is what really gives the enemy a serious advantage. Unquote. Commander of the 3rd, Lieutenant Colonel Andrei Bilecki, said, quote, We are forced to fight at 360 degrees against new brigades that the enemy is bringing in. Unquote. Captured Russian soldiers and the military IDs among the dead showed that some of the advanced troops signed their contracts as recently as mid January. On the southern flank, Ukrainian forces retreated from the Zenit Air Defense Station, with holdouts from the 110th Mechanized Brigade, 1st Battalion, 2nd Company, the last unit to withdraw. Soldier Viktor Bilak, who rotated to Zenit in November, wrote that the defenders attempted a breakout on February 14, which failed and caused heavy casualties. A second breakout was done on the 15th, taking a different route. Ukrainian forces had to advance 1,000 meters across an open field in low visibility conditions, guided by a drone, to exit the salient. Bilak claims that Ukrainian commanders ordered the last squad to leave the wounded, 
destroy any leftover materials and withdraw. We adjusted the map based on this intelligence and moved the line of conflict 1000 meters north of Zenit. It feels so wrong to end this part of the report this way, but there is nothing more that can be said. In war, you're there, you're alive, and then you're not. There is no pause, there isn't go on without me, there are no trumpets and salutes. One day you're defending the remains of an air defense station, and the next day you're left behind, unable to move and unable to defend yourself. For the West, Russian forces attacked near Pervomaiske, suffered losses and returned to their defensive positions. In the Marinkayo, Russian forces tried to retake positions they withdrew from south of Krasnohorivka, maintained attacks on the eastern edge of Georgievka and attacked from the southern edge of Marienka toward Pobeda. None of the attempts to advance were successful. In the Vogledareyo, Russian forces continued to attack Novomikhailivka from the east and southeast. Troops continue to reach the outskirts of the settlement, but due to the terrain, cannot maintain logistics and repeatedly withdraw. In the Staromlinivkayo, Russian forces tried to advance from Novomayorske and attacked west of Staromayorske. There was no change in the situation. There is news about the Black Sea Fleet. After having his headquarters blown up, seven warships sunk in the last seven months, losing control of boycott towers and the inability to enforce the declared blockade of Ukrainian ports, the Kremlin had enough. Multiple Russian reports claimed that the commander of the Black Sea Fleet, Admiral Viktor Sokolov, has been dismissed. His chief of staff, Vice Admiral Sergei Pinchuk, has been named the acting commander. Wait, isn't that Schrodinger Admiral? Yes. Questions about Sokolov have continued to swirl after the September 22 missile attack on the Black Sea Fleet headquarters in occupied Sevastopol. On September 25, Ukraine claimed that the admiral had been killed. Sokolov appears to have been in a video on September 27, but parts came from a September 20 Russian state media TV report by Zvezda. He has not appeared in person with senior leadership of the Russian Ministry of Defense since August 2023, and no one has been able to declare if he is dead or alive conclusively. Well, he's fired now, so we may never know. On the Russian front in Belgorod, Russia claimed that 122mm rockets fired by Czech-provided Vampire multiple launch rocket systems killed 9 and wounded 20. Complicating the report, Armut claimed that air defenses intercepted 14 of the unguided rockets. It's not that you can't use S-300 air defense missiles to try and stop the small Grad rockets. The number of successful hits is relatively low. Pictures of the debris claiming the attack used Czech rockets showed Kyrillic paintings on the parts, and the rocket bodies had no marking. On social media, local residents reported that the rockets came from the east, and splash patterns at two sides appeared to support the claim. East is Russia. One other thing, the Czech rockets have a 20-kilometer range, and even at the very edge of the Russian border, they can't reach Belgorod. Some Russian propagandists claim that Serbia EDPRO G2000 rockets were used suggesting they have a 52-kilometer range, likely based on a Wikipedia article. Friends, don't let friends use Wikipedia as a single source. 
So how did Serbian rockets end up in Ukraine? Allegedly. Propagandists claim that Canada bought the rockets from Serbia and had them shipped to North America, where they were sent to Ukraine through Poland. Here's the problem with the whole claim. ED Pro has a website and published the technical specifications of the G2000 on May 19, 2023. The rockets have a 40-kilometer range. That's only enough range to reach the southern edges of Belgorod from safe firing locations within Ukraine. It's either that, or Ukrainian forces occupy the Belgorod People's Republic to a depth of up to 10 kilometers. Our analysts couldn't conclusively verify whether Russia fired rockets from the east, like we were able to do for the December 30th attack. In that incident, two videos captured the moment of impact, which provided conclusive evidence. Here is my theater-wide update. Ukraine is reportedly negotiating with Turkey to purchase Thai TF Han 5th generation fighter planes. The Han is still in its development stage, with Block Zero aircraft targeted to be in service by 2026. Spain announced it was fast-tracking the delivery of M113 armored personnel carriers to Ukraine, as well as air defense missiles. The UK has allocated $250 million for the purchase of drones for Ukraine. Minister of Defense Grant Schaps said, quote, This is the case when we have to make sure that Ukraine has everything it needs to win this war. It's just stupid to think that they won't be able to win it. Unquote. Australia announced it was providing $32 million in cash assistance to support the defense of Ukraine. Germany announced it would soon deliver a 100 million euro military aid package. There are details in our situation report and you can find more information in the podcast description. The United States House went on its 13-day President's Day recess and won't reconvene until February 28. The Senate bill that would provide military aid to Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan was not considered. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. I look forward to you joining me on Monday. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News.